episode we interview um, accomplished ultra runner and race director nick clark uh he's the race director at nar runners here in fort collins yeah we've done a lot of those nar runner races so we were super excited to interview him um we first talked to him about this about interviewing him at quad rock we were going to do that for our quad rock episode but then we kind of ran out of time we realized we had a lot of interviews and we were like why don't we just have a whole episode with him he's like super cool yeah um, a legend really really um so we reached out to him and you know per usual we asked what his favorite peanut butter and jelly was so we could prepare and bring it to the studio and nick said that instead of peanut butter and jelly he likes toast and marmite so that is what we brought today all right enjoy our interview with nick clark there's a did someone want to do the <laughs> breading <laughs> do you have butter Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, I'll tell you, that's a key piece of uh, oh. But we'll, we'll try it. We'll try it, you know, naked on the bread. I'm sure it'll be awesome. <laughs> that's good to know, though. Yeah. How hefty of a layer do you usually? Well, that's um, personal taste. Okay. Uh, I would start with a, a light layer. Just a light just layer. To, okay. A, a feel for the taste. It is quite salty. Okay. Uh, butter helps. Hold schmear. That is? Yeah. Oh, man. Hold I'm going schmear. all in. <laughs> item. So, so what is Marmite? That's a good question. It's yeast extract according to mm. the label so it's i did read that a salty product <laughs> maybe we're in for a <laughs> you guys are gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> but i'm gonna watch your face yeah. you it. like the stickiness and the dark color reminds me of nutella but i imagine i shouldn't be prepared no, don't, no. <laughs> if you're thinking nutella as, a, as you take your first bite you're gonna be rudely shocked cheers cheers it does taste like we just sprinkled salt yeah it's really salty mm -hmm. that's like the only flavor i'm getting right now mm -hmm. Tastes like Marmite. <laughs> the real key is to have um, fresh toast out of the toaster. Yeah. Just mm. nice and warm. The mm -hmm. butter just a little, not like totally melted, just to that stage where you have a little bit of solid left, but some melt on it too. Mm. And then the Marmite mushed in with that, so it kind of mixes all together. Mm -hmm. That's the, mm -hmm. the perfect place to be with Marmite. Yeah. It's but cool. this is good too. <laughs> I'm more of a subpar of Marmite experience, but <laughs> now we have it, so we can experiment with mm -hmm. it at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now you have the tips, yeah. Mm -hmm. so I, I, yeah, I look forward to you know, this is your first experience, and hearing about quite experiences. <laughs> All right, well, we can jump into some questions here, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, now that your mouth is full. <laughs> um, okay, so our first question is just, um, when and why did you get into ultra running? Mm, ultra running. Um, well, I got into ultra running uh, when I moved to Colorado, basically. Um, started running in New York um, later in life. Um, in my mid to late 20s, mm -hmm. um, but ran roads pretty much exclusively in New York, mm -hmm. training for and racing marathons. Um, but then we had a kid, moved out to Colorado, and um, yeah, just started running the trails, talked to local runners, and mm -hmm. learned about Leadville. Um, thought that that you know, would be a cool goal. Um, yeah. And the rest is history. So, yeah. Cool. What was like the biggest change you felt as you moved from the road to trails? Probably just that um, losing the obsession with pacing and just kind of mm, enjoying mm -hmm. being out there and feeling the effort when you're running yeah um and just kind of enjoying being out there for the sake of being out there rather than feeling like you're out there to get a workout in yeah out there to experience where you're at yeah yeah i guess i'll say that's one thing Corey and i've been talking about a lot because we ran in college together mm -hmm. and that's kind of been at least my favorite part of ultra running is being like i don't need to worry about hitting certain paces i just go out and like enjoy the mm -hmm. mountains it's so fun yeah, it was such a good transition out of college running where you are like obsessing about your pace all the time on every run to be out there and you're not even really looking at your watch, you know, and even if you were, it's like every trail is different, like the pace doesn't tell you that much. And so like learning how to listen to your body 
and listen to like the exertion level was like a really cool change. Totally. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So my son is a junior uh, at Rocky Mountain High School now, so he's cross country um, and going through that whole thing. And I, I, you know, I go to these cross country meets and they're all like, so we're in Colorado, but all these courses are like super flat <laughs> yeah. and geared towards kids getting PRs. And there's this like obsession with yeah. running as fast as they possibly can at every meet. Um, but it's kind of cool because my son knows the trail running side because we, we've run a lot of miles together in the mountains. Mm. And um, so I know that, you know, once he goes through his, you know, high school, college, if he decides to go to college, that he'll probably, you know, he'll have that in his back pocket to yeah. um, prolong his love for the sport. Because I feel like a lot of college kids, once they're done with their college running career, are kind of burned out on it. And yeah. a lot of them kind of quit. So Yeah, that's yeah. another thing I think is really cool about the ultra running community is you see this longevity there that you don't see in like really fast racing and like college mm -hmm. level. Yeah. Totally. And it seems like a lot of people pick it up later in life and they're like, oh, you know, they didn't, they did team sports like soccer or whatever mm -hmm. through high school, college. And then maybe they, you know, quit being active and then they picked up running and then it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I really love running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thought. yeah. We got an interview with John Ray who won the quad mm. rock. Um, awesome. You're wearing the shirt. He won the, the 50 miler. Um, and he said he played baseball in college. Is that right? Yeah. So it was cool seeing him like <laughs> becoming, like hearing that story and knowing how good of an ultra runner he was after yeah. playing baseball, which like. Right. To me, I don't see it all these connections. Yeah, like but... soccer kind of makes sense, but baseball is usually like the really big guys, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I grew up playing rugby oh, um, nice. and cricket and field hockey. Uh -huh. um, like I played rugby from the age of five to 23, 24, mm -hmm. uh, and then kind of had a, I don't know, a five or six year break where I really didn't do much uh, and then picked up running. But yeah, okay. totally. It's like whenever you listen to, to podcasts of, you know, runners that are doing well in the ultra running scene, mm -hmm. that seems to be quite a common theme that you see that they came from a soccer background or some other mm -hmm. team sport mm -hmm. background. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. You guys interviewed John Ray. I'll have to check that out. This is kind of, I guess, a change of a change of subject, but we were talking about like getting into ultra running. And I know one question we wanted to ask is, um, it seems like you've like done pretty well in some ultra uh, races. Mm -hmm. And we're wondering like what kind of the mindset was when you noticed you could actually be competitive. Uh -huh. Like if there was anything that like changed with your training or... I don't know if that was a clear question. No, no, it's a totally clear question. Um, and I think a lot of folks who transition from the roads to the trails or whatever it may be, from team sports to, to ultra running, you know, they, they find out, oh, all of a sudden, because it's a much smaller world, ultra running mm -hmm. than, say, road running mm -hmm. or pro sports. So it is, you know, if you, you have a bit of talent, it's, you know, you can excel quite quickly in ultra running. Um, and I guess I found that out reasonably quickly after I moved from New York to Colorado that, oh, okay, I'm placing in these races and, uh, doing quite well so you know what's the next progression um and um so you know i try to qualify for western states 100 which is a big 100 mile race out in california it's probably the i think it's the oldest 100 mile race in in north america and probably the most prestigious in, in terms of competition um so i decided that i was gonna try and qualify for that and train for that uh, i qualified for it at a race out in texas the bandera 100k um and to your question about training uh, I then became very serious about it. <laughs> it kind of dominated me for a while and I ran big miles. So I was all about like racking up huge miles. So I'd run like 100 to 125 mile weeks um, with 15 to 25,000 feet of vert every week. So it was a lot of running, a lot of time wow. on my feet, um, but I got fit really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so Western States in 2010 was my uh, second ever 100 miler. Uh, and it went really well. I came fourth. Um, That's amazing. I get some really, you know, strong competition and uh, yeah, had a good four or five years after that. So, but it was all on the backbone of a, a really heavy mileage yeah. protocol. Yeah, wow. That's kind of what I, I, I responded to. Yeah, us and our other friend who, we just started doing ultra racing like this year, basically. And like, I guess what we always joke around about is like, you can just do one long run a week <laughs> and be okay. And like, at least finish, you know? Totally. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, to be clear, yeah. I'm like these days, I don't really compete that much. Like, like I'm getting ready for the uh, Masters Cross Country uh, Club Championships oh, next cool. Sunday in Boulder. Cool. So that's a 5K. So that's my big race of the year. So, oh. <laughs> or that's one exciting. of my one of my big races of the year. I'm actually doing like four or five cross country races uh, this fall season, um, which is fun for me because it's a shorter distance, way less mileage to try and get fit for. Right. Um, so these days, I, I run, I don't know, 20 to 50 miles a week, basically, mm-hmm. um, when I want to, uh, without any pressure. And I, I kind of like that after like four or five years of really kind of pushing myself to, to run big miles yeah. um but uh yeah so back then i would uh yeah it would be kind of weekly mileage to get those numbers up um a midweek kind of mid-long run so 13 to 16 miles with a bunch of vert uh and then weekend typically would be um 20 to 25 mile long run in the hills so mm-hmm. kind of a, a longer slower run and then sunday i would try and get out and do kind of a um 18 to 20 mile run but on flatter ground at a faster pace so really training my uh-huh. legs to to work hard yeah. when they're tired yeah yeah kind of the typical back-to-back long run that uh-huh. you see in a lot of ultra training programs but yeah. uh the key being that i was kind of working hard on those tired legs mm-hmm. um trying yeah. to mimic late late stage of the race kind of thing yeah that makes sense cool um but i mean on the flip side you can totally get by on oh yeah i'll just do you know a long run on the weekend and i'll you know fill in as yeah. i can during the week as my schedule allows and, yeah um now like where i'm at now that's the kind of schedule I love. Yeah. <laughs> I run because I want to run, not because I feel like I have to run. Yeah. 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 That's what's really cool. And I feel like ultra running in, in that way is way more inclusive than like people think it is. Because mm-hmm. it's so shocking to hear that you're going to run this this race with like really, that's really long. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, like if someone who has never really run before hears you're going to run like 50 or 100 miles, it's like unfathomable. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think the training is very like reasonable. Like I you think. can understand how you just start with like, one mm-hmm. week you run five miles and you just go up and up and mm-hmm. if you do it long enough like you can get up there yeah yeah totally yeah. um yeah i think that, i mean yeah it's like how do you train for 100 miles it's mm-hmm. like is it, i mean it's crazy it's like 100 <laughs> miles it's like do you go out and run like 75 miles you really it's like no that you know because you, you you can't recover from that type of mm-hmm. effort um, mm-hmm. i think yeah so if you're doing a 50k 50 mile if you have a couple of long runs you know 20 to 25 miles kind of in your back pocket and you felt good about those then i think that's totally adequate as long as you're like you have a pretty good block of training, you know, mm-hmm. of consistent running. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you have to be totally crazy to, in terms of mileage. <laughs> to tra- you have to be a lot of crazy. To run, <laughs> yeah. In terms of the training volume, I don't think it has to be like as crazy as some people think it might need to be. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's so cool. Do you usually like do lots of your runs before Collins or do you try to get up to the mountains sometimes? Uh, it depends on the season. So in the summer, I definitely like to try and get out like higher in the mountains. Uh, these days, I'm really looking at trying to do cool adventure routes mm-hmm. um the summer is a pretty busy season for me professionally um so you know host a lot of races put on a lot of races around northern colorado so it's kind of tough to get away yeah. um so those weekends that i do have um where i can really kind of spend the whole day out running i'm definitely looking to get somewhere cool somewhere yeah. new somewhere unique um yeah what are your favorite places to run like let's say within like a two hour two hour radius yeah. of mm-hmm. Portons. um well rocky mountain national park would probably mm-hmm. be number one yeah um there's a lot of great kind of alpine routes up there. So um, there's a lot of cool routes around Long's Peak. Um, so earlier this summer, I did uh, the Radical Slam uh-huh. with my son and two of his high school cross-country running buddies. Um, so the Radical Slam basically is a tour of the Long's Peak Massif. So mm. go up Mika, oh. you traverse across the Long's Peak and over the Pagoda and through the Keyboard of the Winds, the Storm Mountain, Battle Mountain, and SS Coast. So it's a pretty big day. You wow. know, bagging <laughs> a bunch of high-altitude peaks, a lot of rocks, a lot of talus. Um, so that's a really fun route. And there's a bunch of other kind of like um, long routes that you can do that involve Long's Peak. Um, so that those yeah. kinds of things are super fun. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. I, I live right out by Horsetooth Mountain Park. So I 
you know, oh, ran out of hot stays a ton. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hot was awesome. We spent some good time there this summer. And we went to Never Summer for mm. um, the race you guys put on up there. Yeah. We had never been there before. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool getting to see that. That's And cool. that's really close, too. Yeah. So how was the experience? Was it was like... wonderful. That was probably my favorite race today. And it was our first Same. 60K. Right. Um, that's a tough 60K. It's <laughs> we were not ready for Diamond Peak. We didn't know, <laughs> we didn't know what that was before. No. <laughs> We were like, oh, just another climb. That's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not fine. <laughs> and I'm like looking over like the um, the map afterwards. I'm like, how did we miss this little like elevation? And we were like, you know, looking online beforehand to see the elevation gain through uh-huh. the race. And it's like, this is like 40%. Like, we just kind of missed that part when we were looking at it before. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful up there. Yeah. Diamond Peak's a little bit naughty, but um, yeah, it's awesome though. You get to hit the seven utes. Um, the, the peak of seven years and lake agnes is super yeah. beautiful yeah. and like on the you go over to the other side on american lakes which is mm-hmm. stunning um yeah and then you hit north diamond and you hit montgomery <laughs> ridge so that area is that was exciting for us to be able to put on a race up there uh, in state forest state park um because it's not super well known locally for mm-hmm. i mean it's well known in the kind of backcountry ski crowd mm-hmm. for wintertime activities mm-hmm. but not so much summertime uh running and, and biking um the trails aren't great for biking uh, i would have to say uh but for running that awesome so it's been really that's been really cool to be able to kind of show off that part of northern mm-hmm. colorado to, to the running crowd that's cool and yeah we want to ask more about um your work race directing too yeah. so like could you walk us through that process a little bit of developing never summer like were you working closely with the state park and also the course as i understand it wasn't on a lot of established trails so like did you guys kind of make up that route and have to like set up the course on your own yeah, so it was kind of a, a long process, uh, getting the course figured out. Um, when we first approached the park, they were in a little bit of transition. So there was kind of an interim or a long-term park manager was just leaving the position. Uh-huh. And then there was an interim park manager in there. Um, but, you know, the first conversation we had with them was like, well, you know, this is kind of what we're looking at doing. What do you think? Um, and they were like, yeah, I mean, sounds great. Um, a lot of these trails don't connect, but there's like a long history of logging um, mm-hmm. in the area and we have logging trails all mm-hmm. over the place. And they were basically like, if you can find them, you can use them. <laughs> but, but I was like, all right, cool, challenge accepted. Um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of looking at aerial images, um, mm. trying to find old logging cuts that would connect like the cool pieces, like seven newts to Lake Agnes, for example. Right. That was kind of a, an ordeal, trying to figure out how we would connect those two. Mm. Um, and then like, there's some sections in the 100k on, on the yurt trail which is not a super well developed trail um which connected um the south sections to the north sections um but yeah it was a lot of kind of scouting figuring out how we were going to do it and then doing actually a lot of trail work to make those mm-hmm. those trails and, and old logging roads usable so it was like yeah. a two two and a half year process mm-hmm. to actually get to a point where we felt like we had a course that worked and the park was like yeah, yeah you know they approved it um and then, so funny, you, you talk about North Diamond and like the 40% grade and all that. Um, <laughs> the, the initial concept was that it was going to come up from Cameron Pass. You know, there's like a big parking area mm-hmm. right at Cameron Pass there. Mm-hmm. There's actually a really nice trail that goes from Cameron Pass parking area up the other side, the east mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. of North Diamond, mm-hmm. uh, which made a ton of sense. But that's on Forest Service property. And they actually oh. denied us a permit for oh. on this like nice trail. <laughs> so we can blame the forest service for that well one. no because we work we work with the forest service on a couple of our other races and they're great to work with this what, what the problem was is um 
uh, a de- what they call a decommissioned trail. So they don't, mm. even though it's like on the ground, it's like, oh, this is a great trail. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't actively maintain it. Okay. So therefore they, c- they couldn't permit uh, a race on it. Okay. So then we were like, oh shoot, uh, this is like a key piece of the race. Yeah. How on earth are yeah. we going to get up to the top of North Diamond? Uh-huh. And that's where the 40% grade came in. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And now it's like an iconic part of it. it so. totally, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's funny how those things work out. Yeah. 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 What are like the qualities you're looking for when you're designing a course like that? Um, yeah. So, you know, we have a pretty strong philosophy about, you know, putting on races that we don't just put on a race for the sake of putting on a race. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if, you know, if, if we want to do a hundred mile, we would, I wouldn't typically consider something like five twenty mile loops. Just, it's not very exciting in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I love to get out, explore, see new terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when we're thinking about a route, it's, well, I mean, there's a lot of considerations, but for the course itself, it's like, you know, is this exciting? Are we introducing mm-hmm. people to some cool terrain? Um, and are we, you, you try not to repeat terrain if possible. So, mm-hmm. you know, with the never summer, loop it's with the except for the 100k there's an overlap of about an eighth of a mile wow um, that's awesome <laughs> but that's it otherwise it's 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 a full loop and uh you know you get the mountain experience you get the alpine lakes but you also mm-hmm. get you know coming back to the finish you're down in the valley and mm-hmm. kind of, so you're experiencing all kind all, all pieces of the mountain terrain so yeah that's yeah. really cool mm-hmm. yeah so as we've kind of been talking about races you've put on mm-hmm. do you have a favorite race that you've run Oh, that I've run. Uh, well, that's, yeah. Um, it's okay to say your own. <laughs> well, well I, I've never actually run one of my own races. Um, okay. That's, you know, a bit of a goal for next year is to actually, okay. and I feel like we're in a position now where I can easily not be, you know, feel like I have to be involved with managing the race at this yeah. stage. Cool. You know, I have a, um, a partner, Brad Bishop, who organizationally is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I could definitely step aside and run one of my races. And I think I'm going to try and do that next year. So oh. stay tuned. I'll let you know how the race is from. So it's a great learning. I think it will be a great learning experience to actually experience one of my own races. Yeah. Um, see what I think is awesome and not so yeah. awesome and where we can make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of uh, races that I've done, uh, I really love probably my favorite race of all time is the Hemet Mountain 50 mile race. It's down in uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico. Uh, I've done it five times. Uh, the course has changed over the years. Uh, but the original concept was uh, that it, it hit three peaks. Uh, over 10,000 feet uh, in the Jemez Mountains surrounding Los Alamos, um, which for me is awesome. Anytime you can get on top of a peak during a race is, is killer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, a, it's it's got a great community vibe in Los Alamos. It's a really strong trail running community. Uh, they embrace the race, and you, you can really feel that at the race. And mm. um, that's something we try to do with our own races as well, is to really kind of bring out that community feel. Um, so I would highly recommend that race. Uh, it's cool. a six or seven hour drive south from here. Yeah. Um, like I say, the, the course has changed a little bit over the years due to fires and, and whatnot, uh, but it's still a super cool course. Um, so that one's great. Um, I guess Western States, I've done that five times. Um, what was the transition like initially from racing to race directing? Because I'd imagine that takes up a lot of your time now. And so maybe you weren't able to devote as much time to racing? Uh, yeah, um, I guess it, it was a bit of a transition. Um, you know, initially, race directing was very much a um, kind of a, a sideline gig. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a full, full-time full nine-to-five job, and mm-hmm. we were doing race directing on the side. It was like Quad Rock was the first race that we okay. we developed um, as NAR runners. Um, and then we, we quickly added Black Squirrel, um, and then Blue Sky, oh, sorry, um, Never Summer mm-hmm. came a few years after that. Um, but, um, and then we've added a few more since then. Um, so yeah, it was busy. Um, you know, I was trying to do a full-time nine to five gig and then the side gig of putting on races. And then at that time I was running super heavy mileage as well, mm-hmm. trying to be, uh, you know, a competitive ultra runner. Yeah. Um, but, um, I guess, 
you know, once the, the race directing kind of became sustainable as a full-time thing, um, the running side, this was kind of 2014, 15, was winding down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I wasn't quite as stoked on it uh, in terms of really trying to be competitive. Definitely the running still. So yeah. I guess, yeah, the, the competitive side of running was winding down a little bit as the race directing was ramping up. So, mm-hmm. uh, But it's cool because, you know, I, I got to be still immersed in, in the running community and scene, yeah. even yeah. though my actual, my own personal running was winding down a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. Was the initial motivation to do race directing, like, you just... Like, did you see a hole in the Fort Collins kind of, like, running scene? Or did you think that you could run, you know, better races than the ones you'd been to or something like that? Uh, a, bit of, a bit of both, I guess. Um, definitely there was a hole yeah. uh, in the local ultra running scene because there were no ultras uh, yeah. in Fort Collins. Um, and I knew, you know, I'd been racing a ton. And I really loved, you know, what I loved about races was, number one, obviously the, the running and the racing. Yeah. Um, but number two, I met a ton of, ton of like, still, like, friends today um from hanging out hanging out after the races um so i really enjoyed that and then the training piece as well um so i kind of had an idea in my head about what made a great race and you know what we could do uh, to differentiate ourselves a little bit from some of the other races around mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean like i say there was no ultra established ultra in fort collins mm-hmm. uh, i lived out by horsetooth mountain park i ran hundreds thousands of miles at horsetooth every year yeah i'm like okay so there needs to be a 50 mile race on the Horsetooth Lurry trails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we figured out a route. It's, you know, a 25 mile loop of the two parks. You yeah. do it in reverse to, for the 50 mile race. Um, yeah. And then we just had that focus on really trying to build it as a community thing mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, encourage people to stick around after the race and mm-hmm. have that social interaction and hopefully meet running friends and, and partners yeah. for, for, for a lifetime of running. So that's kind of uh, our philosophy behind uh, our races. That's awesome. Yeah. I know you yeah. talked about this a little bit already, but like, logistically for that so when you put on quad rock mm-hmm. you had to get permits from the state and mm-hmm. then also for horsetooth from larimer county mm-hmm. and then for something like blue sky i'm not sure devil's backbone is that larimer county also or it is yeah it is okay so is that a lot of different coordinating that happens between different kind of land it is yeah um so quad rock as you said is so we, we stage out of Laurie state park mm-hmm. so we have a permit with the state park colorado state parks um and then we also you know, half of the route is in Horsetooth. Mm-hmm. So that's Larimer County, Department of Natural Resources. So we have a permit with Larimer County as well. Um, so those are our two permitting agencies for, for Quad Rock. Uh-huh. But we have uh, a great relationship with both of those permitting agencies. So gotcha. um, after 10, 11 years of doing it, it's, you know, I'm not going to say a rubber stamp, but um, it's, a, it's a fairly smooth process. Um, for Blue Sky, that is exclusively Larimer County. So that's okay. Horsetooth Mountain Park. It's the Blue Sky Trail. And then also Devil's Backbone. but uh-huh. those, So those are technically three separate trail networks, uh, but they're all managed by Larimer County. So that's okay. a single permit. Okay. Yeah. You know, we have a great working relationship with them. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it works out well for, for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, and definitely like kind of promoting and showing people who live locally, mm-hmm. like what those trails are, I think is a huge benefit to the community. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, and another piece of what we do uh, is, you know, we understand that these are public lands that we use to put on these races so we, we have a large database of trail volunteers uh, mm-hmm. and we try mm-hmm. to do trail work days um on both the county um and the state lands mm-hmm. each year just to kind of give back and yeah um promote that within the the trail running community yeah as well that's really cool yeah and we put a ton of work in out at uh never summer our state mm-hmm. forest state park i don't know how many hours we put in uh, over there uh, across the years but it's it's kind of thousands um wow but that's been a super rewarding yeah uh, part of the job for sure yeah that's yeah. so cool um was there anything like super surprising that you didn't expect to learn when you were getting into race directing 
Anything super surprising? Ah, uh, gosh. Um, I guess, yeah, when you think of like a race director, you're like, oh, you must be out on the trails all, all the time, just like scouting out new cool courses. And yeah, that must be so cool. But turns out that 90% of race directing is sitting in front of a computer, <laughs> <laughs> responding to emails and doing logistics. Yeah. And it's, a, it's kind of a desk heavy job. Hmm. Um, How do you think um, like ultra running has changed since you started? Uh, it's kind of changed quite profoundly in some ways and not really that much at all in other ways. Uh, when I first got into to ultra running, it was definitely kind of low key, you know, you'd show up to the race, there'd be 70, 80, up to 200 other folks there just kind of milling around on the start line, uh, chatting, catching up with old friends, you go run your, your race, your 50k, 50 mile, whatever it is, and then you hang out a little bit afterwards and, and, and you catch up and you, you, you eat a burger and drink a beer with your friends. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that, that kind of low-key community vibe definitely still exists. There are a lot of races around the country, but uh, we're seeing a lot of like money and consolidation coming into the mm -hmm. sport at really kind of the top level of the sport where it's super competitive. You know, I'm thinking about UTMB, their partnership with yeah. Ironman. Um, so, you know, they're bringing like 10,000 people to the Chamonix Valley mm -hmm. uh, in the Alps in France mm -hmm. over the UTMB weeks. And that's like wow. huge. That's big yeah. scale. Yeah. So there's a lot of money and corporate interests mm -hmm. involved now. And they're really kind of promoting the elite side of the sport. Mm -hmm. um, so you're seeing a lot of kind of faster um, professional athletes like true pros uh, in the sports, yeah. in the sport these days. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there, there are other um, management companies uh, like Spartan is, is trying mm -hmm. to, carve out a niche um at that level of the sport as well mm -hmm. um so and i you know i think that's great for the sport you know it brings a lot of eyeballs to the sport mm -hmm. um but you know for some people that you know some people love that for others it's, it's not for them and they you know they, they want to do it because they want to hang out with mm -hmm. you know their, their friends and community um yeah. and i think you know our, our events are very much kind of on like the more community oriented side of things um as a runner myself I, I used to love running in the big races so you know i definitely understand the appeal of that too and I guess another thing that's changed a lot over the years in ultra running is it's become a lot more gear intensive. Mm. Mm. Like mm -hmm. running is a, a very simple sport. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's that's like, one of the best things about it. I think. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, it's a pair of shorts, it's a pair of shoes, you know, t-shirt, sports bra, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and you go out and you run and you know, if you're going out for a long time, but back in the day, you know, I'd be on the start line of a hundred mile race and I'd have like a water bottle in one hand, a couple of gels shoved <laughs> in my back pocket and maybe a, a jacket wrapped around my waist. Yeah. I, was, I, I was off, but now uh -huh. it's like, you look around the start line of a hundred mile race and it's like poles, thousand dollar watches, yeah. um, $300 pair of shoes, like, you know, packs. Uh -huh. I mean, you know, so there's people on the start line of a hundred mile race who's probably got two to $3,000 worth of gear on them, which is yeah. pretty crazy. So, uh, which makes it understandable why these gear companies are mm. investing dollars in pro yeah. athletes. Right. So yeah, definitely. There's a lot more gear to sell these days than yeah. back when I started doing it. Yeah. I feel like I've become kind of a baby when it comes to running. Like now, if I'm going to run for like more than two hours, I will always have my pack with me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's so funny. Yeah. You see people at the start line um, of really long races with just a water bottle. And I'm like, how do they do that? <laughs> but especially with the races, like realistically, you only have to go like 10-ish miles right. before you reach an aid station. So it's totally doable. But in my head, I'm like, this is an absolute necessity. Yeah. And it, it, the change happens so quick for us too, because like just a couple years ago, we'd be doing long runs in college and uh -huh. you wouldn't think about bringing anything with no. you. You would get laughed at. Like, um, so it is funny the way mm -hmm. the culture is changing, but I wonder if we're like missing something from going away from that simplicity of, you know, just carrying a water bottle and going for it. Uh, I think in a way, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm still pretty minimalist, uh, when mm -hmm. I go out and, and run in the mountains, mm -hmm. just because that's the way I like to do it. I don't like to carry a lot of weight, but, um, I do on occasion run with packs these days, whereas I would never have done that like 10 mm -hmm. years ago, even mm -hmm. on like a, you know, full 12 to 13 hour a day in the mountains, I'd be like, I'll, I'll get water 
at the seeps uh, mm-hmm. in the mountains, and uh-huh. you know, I'll bring four or five gels with me, and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, yeah, as I get a little older, I'm like, well, well you know, the storm rolls in, I probably need a jacket and a yeah. hat. And, um, and we've actually changed our, you know, some things have happened in recent years at some of these races. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the incident out in China where, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, 16 to 17 folks perished out in the mountains, and some weather rolled in, and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, so you know, post that event, we've introduced a, a gear requirement uh-huh. at Never Summer. Uh-huh. Um, Simply for the fact that, you know, storms are a reality uh, mm-hmm. in the mountains and, you know, people need to have gear to get themselves down off the mountain yeah. at a minimum. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's that responsibility that we have to consider as race directors. Yeah. But I'm still pretty irresponsible myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to running in the mountains. You're yeah. like, when it's just me. Yeah, yeah. right, just me to take care <laughs> of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, rather than, you know, 300 runners, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, it's pretty sobering when you think, when you, when you yeah. think about it that, you, you know, um, you have... 300 runners safety uh as a yeah. responsibility so mm. have you ever had any scares in your races like someone goes missing or something like that um we so the first year we put on uh never summer mm-hmm. uh we, we had one runner get off course um <laughs> we had uh, a search and rescue person mm. go out and, and look for that runner um search and rescue person got lost um <laughs> runner runner was found was never was never actually off course uh just oh. didn't checking it or decided oh. they were going to dnf but didn't let us know this is oh. super common uh-huh. you know every race we're like okay so this person didn't check in at this aid station we don't have a record you know we know that they were at aid station you know mile 12 but we haven't seen them at 16 20 so we're gonna have to assume that they're lost on course but mm-hmm. typically what it is is they dnf'd got a ride back to their hotel or home or whatever from yeah. whoever was supporting them and uh-huh. they didn't tell anybody and then so we call them up and they're like oh yeah sorry uh-huh. um <laughs> Uh, but this time at Never Summer, yeah. So our search and rescue person uh, got lost, uh, oh, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but we had radio communications, and she knew, you know, she's search and rescue. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay in this location. Uh, mm-hmm. I've started a fire to stay warm, and we, we you know, we, we found her. Uh-huh. Uh, but that, oh, no. <laughs> that was about as that's been our kind of, I think, the, as serious as it's gotten mm-hmm. uh, over ten years of doing it. So. You know, we, we definitely take the safety seriously. We track mm-hmm. all our runners. Mm-hmm. We won't close the race down until we know that everybody's accounted for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, knock on wood, uh, you know, we haven't had any, like, major, major incidents. Um, well, we like to finish with the question of just, like, you know, what is it that you love most about ultra running? What keeps you coming back to it? Uh, well, um, for me, it's really, I mean, obviously the community is a big piece, but uh, I just like to have the fitness to go do cool stuff, um, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um so like this summer, uh, a couple of friends, we went out to the Wind River Range and we uh-huh. did Gannett Peak. Oh, Speaking wow. of state high points, yeah. uh, that's the hmm. state high point of Wyoming. Uh-huh. Uh, a little higher than Delaware's uh, state high point. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like 13,800, something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a really remote peak, you know. Yeah. It's like 20 miles to get on top of Gannett oh. Peak from mm-hmm. Green River Lakes Trailhead mm-hmm. um, via the Tourist Creek uh, route, which is not a super commonly done route. It's kind of off-trail and a bit gnarly and uh, that kind of stuff, but it's the shortest way to do it. Um, but you know, I hadn't been done a huge, doing a huge amount of miles, but, mm-hmm. um, I always like to be in good enough shape that I can go out and in a single day do a really epic route. Yeah. And for me, that's kind of like what ultra running is, is all about is doing yeah. like really cool stuff, seeing mm-hmm. cool things mm-hmm. and like doing it in a compressed time frame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus, and you know, backpacking is awesome too, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a totally, it's a different style. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, you know, you probably get to see a bit more of backpacking cause you get to like chill out and like, yeah. um, smell the flowers a little bit. But yeah. I really love that, 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 that aspect where you can like do cool stuff in a short period of time and then mm-hmm. go home and sleep in your own bed. <laughs> yeah, that's really the motivation, just yeah. to sleep in your bed. <laughs> nice, well, thank you for coming on our podcast and talking with us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah.
Thank you to KCSU for supporting this podcast. Thanks to the FOCO running community for being awesome. And to all of you, our listeners. The music to this podcast was composed by Martin Tong and accessed through Universal Production Music. You can check out our podcast on the KCSU website, the KCSU app, and Spotify. Happy trails! Until next time.